0: Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Hey, we are um, we are excited today. We're wrapping up a series that we've been in over the last uh, several weeks, and it's just amazing how many people have responded, uh, just saying, "Wow, you know, I, I never really had paid much attention to that story in, as it relates to Jonah's life, and really the relevancy and the significance." of his life and, man, how it's so relevant to where I'm at or what I'm walking through right now and, or somebody that I know. And, and for those of you who may be joining with us today or maybe you're watching today online for the very first time and maybe you're not familiar with the, the story of Jonah or maybe the person of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet. And Jonah, just like any other prophet, had a, had a, had a, a calling on his life to proclaim, you know, God's message to the people. And so Jonah was called of God, in Jonah chapter 1, which we read and which we talked about during week 1, Jonah was called of God to go to this great city known as Nineveh. And as we learn, Nineveh was this wicked city, uh, was comprised of, 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 of individuals who were known for striking fear, putting fear in all of their enemies, mainly because of the way they treated their enemies when they uh, basically took possession of different, uh, you know, areas and territory. They were inhumane in the way they went about doing it. And so as a result, they intentionally put fear throughout the world. In fact, they were Israel's greatest enemy. It was their greatest threat. And the people of Israel feared the people of Nineveh, just like everyone else. And so, of all places <laughs> and all assignments, God told Jonah, hey, I want you to go to the people of Nineveh and preach to the people of Nineveh. But n- as we learned, Jonah said, are you kidding me? <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going to Nineveh. So, the Bible, we learned in chapter 2 that as a result, what happened was is that uh, Jonah decided he was going to go do his own thing. So, he fled. He went the opposite direction to a place known as Tarshish, some nearly 2,500 miles away from the target destination of Nineveh. So he bought a ticket, he set sail, and he, uh, he's on this cargo ship. Well, as a result of his rebellion, God's in a storm. And he's asleep, captain of the ship goes, wakes him up. The sailors are freaking out. This raging storm is is, is you know, creating havoc and these, these sailors thought they were literally going to lose their lives and they realized that, man, something must have taken place to cause this storm. Who's the guilty party? Who sinned? Well, Jonah was asleep. The captain wakes him up. They bring him out. They cast lots. Jonah finally owns up to the fact that it was him that caused this great storm because of his rebellion against God. Well, these sailors showed some mercy, some compassion. They tried to basically, you know, row, if if you will, this giant cargo ship. They tried to figure out a way to get back to, you know, safety, to dry land, but it was of no use. And so, finally Jonah said, look, this is all of my fault. I brought this upon upon us and here's what needs to happen. If you would just throw me over board, you know, the, the storm will come to an end. And so the sailors agreed, they throw Jonah overboard. You would have thought lights were out, Jonah's life is done, but yet God rescued Jonah. We know the story, as we continue to unfold, God sent a giant fish, swallowed, you know, Jonah up, and Jonah was in the belly of this giant fish for these three days and three nights. But it was in the middle of... This the belly of this fish where God began to do a great work in Jonah's life. And Jonah humbled himself and he repented of what he had done as far as his rebellion and disobedience toward God. And then what did God do? God once again extended grace to Jonah and caused this giant fish to spit Jonah out onto dry land. And then once again, Jonah he goes to the place that he didn't want to go to begin with and that was the place there at Nineveh so here he is he's walking into this wicked vile despicable you know city these people who who had done so much uh, you know un, un, unfair unjust inhumane you know acts of 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 evil on the lives of so many innocent people, and yet here he was fulfilling the very assignment that God originally gave him, and that was to go and to preach God's message to the people. And so as a result of that, here's what Jonah did. Eight words. He preached an eight-word sermon. How would you guys like it if I preached an eight-word sermon every week? Man, we'd only, you know, we'd be in and out in 15 minutes, Right. Well, you're not going to get those kind of sermons from me. But eight words, eight words. And here were the words. He said, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. That was it. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. That was it. That was his sermon. Eight words. But here's what's interesting. The word overturned in Hebrew is a word known as halak. And it actually is defined or it actually means double meaning. So in other words, those eight words that Jonah delivered to these people could have had one or, one or two outcomes. Either they were going to be overturned and destroyed, which is what he desired, what he wanted, what he thought should have happened. Or they would have been overturned and changed. And to Jonah's complete surprise and shock, guess what the outcome was? The people, these vile, wicked, sinful people, evil people, what did they do? They didn't believe Jonah. No, the Bible says they believed God. And as a result, they repented of their sins Man, the, 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 the leaders, they, they went into a season and a time of fasting. They, they mourned. They invited everybody to go into a season of fasting because they were repentant of the message that God had for them. Well, Jonah just would have stopped right there. I mean, if his story, now think about this for a moment, if Jonah's story would have just paused and stopped right there man oh man oh man Jonah in today's world and culture he would be a Christian celebrity I'm serious I mean think about it for a moment I mean he would be feeling good about that eight word sermon he's like yeah I just gave us guys eight words a whole country got saved I'm the guy, I'm the man. I mean, eight words, never been greater, message ever preached. Eight words came from me. Man alive, he was, he was feeling good. I mean, just think, if he would have stopped right there, man, life, would have been good for Jonah. I mean, think about it. I mean, he, he would be, I mean, man, he'd be blowing up on social media right now. I mean, man, his, all of his posts would go viral. Man, everybody would be wanting him to come and make, you know, television appearances. Man, he'd be on the Joe Rogan podcast. Man, he, you know, he, he, he would be blowing up the circuit. Man, he'd be, he'd be signing book deals, going on speaking tours. I mean, this guy, he would be, I mean, he'd have it going on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he'd be this Christian celebrity. Man, just because of his story, man, his fame and, man, his, his amazing ability to preach an eight-word sermon in a whole country, you know, gives their lives, you know, to God. I mean, think about what could have happened had Jonah just would have ended his story right there. it been pretty amazing, right? Well, that was not his story. In fact, we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 4. Verses 1 through 4. And here's what's interesting. Instead of something good, instead of something that Jonah should have treasured in his heart and and really in a spirit of humility and awe of God's power and wonder and really the miracle that took place. The Bible says that Jonah got angry at what God did. And it says here in beginning in verse 1 in Jonah 4 he says this change of plans upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans for destroying these people. (laughs) Here's what he said. He said, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive because nothing that I predicted, that eight word sermon that I preached, it's not gonna happen. And so as a result, God replied to him and he said, is it right for you to be angry about this? I mean, think about what God did to this wicked nation. They turned, they repented, they turned their hearts towards God. And Jonah should have been rejoicing, he should have been celebrating, he should have been worshiping God just like the Ninevites But instead, he started having a pity party. He started getting angry at God because he felt like the people of Nineveh didn't deserve to get the love and the grace and the mercy and to receive the compassion that they got from God. And so I want to ask you a question today. Has there ever been a time where you became angry with God? Has there been a time in your life where you prayed and you specifically asked God to intervene, to step into a situation? Maybe it was a loved one who was fighting an illness, you know, maybe a disease, cancer, whatever it was. And you prayed, you fasted, you rallied people together, you stood in prayer, you claimed Bible verses. I mean, you prayed, you prayed, you prayed, but they unfortunately, sadly, passed away. Or maybe you have been in a situation where you maybe had this job opportunity that you just really felt good about. It was something that, I mean, it was just a part of the desire of your heart. I mean, you just, you saw the potential. It was something you have been waiting for, something you felt like you were prepared for, something you had, you felt like you had the skill sets, the qualifications for. You had maybe earned the right to have the opportunity, but for whatever reason, the door of opportunity was closed and it never Materialized. And you thought, God, how? Why? Maybe for some of you, you've been hurt, you've been treated unfairly. Maybe you've been taken advantage of. And maybe as you look at whoever that person was that did something unfair to you, that was hurtful for you, maybe they're living their best life. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm still carrying the wounds that this person caused me. I, I, it's unfair. It's, it's not right for those people to get away with what they've gotten away with. They're the ones be, who should be suffering, not me. Have you ever found yourself expressing these kinds of emotions to God? Like God, why in the world? God, it doesn't make sense. God, why could you why would you allow something like this to happen? God, how could you do something like this? It's all of these type of emotions that sometimes can sabotage us. Some of, some of you're going to go through that on Tuesday. Maybe the candidate that you voted for didn't get elected or, you know, the, the, the overall outcome of whatever political party you're with, you, you know, the result isn't what you hoped it would be. And now all of a sudden, you're angry at everybody. You're kicking your cat, kicking your dog, kicking your husband, kicking your wife. You're like, it's your fault. You blame everybody. You blame God. You know, God, you know, how, God, if you really cared about our nation, whatever looking for somebody to cast blame to. We're always looking for somebody to point our finger at. We're always looking for somebody to kind of vent our anger and our frustration and our confusion when it comes to the things that we don't like, things that we don't understand when it comes to the outcomes that we didn't want to see. Well, there are three things that I quickly just want to share with you from Jonah's life that I think we can all relate to and I think we can understand maybe where he's coming from because it doesn't make sense i mean why in the world would god show that kind of grace and mercy to a group of people that were so wicked and so evil and yet isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says it this way god says my thoughts are completely different from yours says the lord and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So the first lesson that we learn from Jonah's life is this God's ways are different than our ways. God sees things from a different perspective than, than we often see them. God sees the big big picture. We just see the small version of the big picture that God actually sees. He sees the beginning, the middle, the end, and everything in between. We just see what's in front of us. We just only see perhaps what it is that we're experiencing in the moment, what we're walking through, or what we've been through. But God sees it all. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important that you surround yourself by the right people, that you listen to the right voices, because one of the benefits of when you go through difficulties, when you're hurting, when you're angry, and you're confused, and you're disappointed, and you don't understand, and it doesn't make sense, you need people in your life to give you perspective. To see, to help you understand, to hear to recognize, to give you eyes to see, to ears to hear what it is that God is trying to say because his thoughts and his ways are different than ours. And sometimes, you know what? God's ways and his thoughts, they don't make sense. This past week has been a hard week on a personal level for Michelle and I. And I was just even thinking this morning, We've kind of walked through this here recently, and the last couple of years, you know, many of you know, Michelle lost her dad, like many of you lost loved ones, relatives, close friends as a result of COVID. And her dad, who is a specimen of health, who, you know, was full of life, full of energy, great man of God, walked of God, walked with God, unbelievable, you know, dad and grandfather and husband and, you know, just was loved and admired and respected so, so much by so many people all over the country, all the years of life and ministry, and yet he had so much more of his life and ministry ahead of him, and yet God took his life. The early stages of COVID, and it's like, God, why? Of all people on planet Earth, why? Him, why now? Why this way? didn't make sense at all. This past week, we learned that a dear friend who, in fact, our family was a part of our Conway location that we were a part of for 14 years, and our son Luke, one of his closest friends, he had three buddies, you know, kind of like the three musketeers, and this is one of the three, 22 years of age, senior year, Pursuing medical school, the University of Florida, and it was struck by a car, a moped, had another girl on the moped with him that he was taking home, was coming home from a fundraiser for a charity to help children who are going through cancer treatment. And was struck and killed instantly on the spot, 22 years of age. We went to the funeral this past week, and our son Luke flew in, and everybody was in shock. Like God, why? How? Doesn't make sense. A week ago, today, a very dear friend of Michelle and I, who we've had the opportunity to have a spiritual impact on, and a family. Over 20 years ago, that we got to know and started coming to our church. And he was a very successful attorney. And uh, while he was on a spearfishing trip with some colleagues, some other attorneys in the Bahamas, he was down below and uh, ended up having a seizure while underwater. And they thought he was joking. And then they realized the seriousness of what was going on. They ended up airlifting him and literally was fighting for his life. Was in the hospital for six months. Michelle and I walked through this process with them during that six-month journey. And the doctor basically informed his wife during those early stages that, He would basically have no meaningful life with the outside human world. He was going to be basically without speech, without any mobile function. We ended up defying all odds. He was paralyzed on the entire left side of his body, lost the uh, sight of his left eye, and was basically in a wheelchair. But he... Fought against the odds of those 20 years. In fact, he, they just celebrated his 20th year anniversary since that accident. And last Sunday, a week ago today, through a very, very freak situation, he was out by the pool unattended and ended up falling into the pool and he drowned and he died. Yesterday, I preached his funeral before a group of high-profile attorneys and judges in our city in Central Florida and throughout our state that came to pay the respects. And you know what? I had to address the whole subject of this issue of when things don't make sense. And you know what? It's just a part of life. And sadly and unfortunately, we live in a fallen, broken, sinful, imperfect world. And no matter how much we try to understand it, no matter how hard we try to wrap our mind around it, we just have to understand and accept that, listen, God's ways are bigger than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our ways. And listen, God's wrath reigns on the just. And the unjust. In other words, bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people, and there are just some things on this side of heaven that will never, ever make human sense. And we have to understand. That even though we live in an imperfect world, we still have a perfect God who knows and who understands and he's aware and he grieves with the losses that we encounter when we grieve and we experience in life. In fact, God gave us the human emotion of grief and anger. we got to understand that life is full of change and transitions and seasons in fact, Ecclesiastes talks all about the changes in the seasons of life. It says there is a time to mourn and there is a time to dance. There, there are changes in life. And anytime you go through a change, guess what you experience? You experience a loss. Whether it's the loss of a dream, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a, a hope, the loss of, a, of, of, a, you know, of something that failed that you thought should have worked out, whatever loss You encounter, you go through an emotion called grief. And anytime you go through grief, you're going to experience all kinds of emotions. It could be anger. It could be confusion. It could be resentment. It could be despair. You can be distraught, overwhelmed, depressed by all of the grief that we encounter in life. But we need to understand that grief is the most painful emotion that we go through. But at the same time, it's one of the most helpful emotions that we go through. And here's the reason why I can say that. Because grief is God's tool for getting us through the transitions and the changes of life. Because with change comes loss. And with loss, there is grief. Which leads me to the second thing. And that is... When we look at Jonah, he was angry at something he didn't understand. God had a plan and a purpose. He didn't understand it. And he was angry as a result of what God chose to do that Jonah thought was wrong. But the second lesson we learn is that God has a purpose for everything. Do you agree with that? God has a, listen, listen, he has a purpose for everything even though we don't like it, we don't understand it, or we agree with it. He has a purpose for everything. In Jonah 5, verse 8, listen to this, this is interesting. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see if anything would happen to the city. So he goes out, he's just waiting for the fire and the wrath of God to come upon these people. And the Lord, listen to this, the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head shading him for the sun. This eased some of his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also prepared a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so that it soon died and withered away. And as the sun grew hot, notice the third thing God did. God sent a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than this, he exclaimed. So here he is, God. Not only got Jonah's attention the first time by sending a fish to swallow him up when he ran away from God, when he rebelled against God, now God has given him a second chance. And through the second chance, he's still griping, still moaning, still complaining. And notice what God did. God sent a storm. God sent him a fish. God sent him a plant. God sent him a worm. God arranged the wind to blow upon him. And yet, for whatever reason, Jonah didn't connect the dots. He didn't see it. And all along, God is just trying to get Jonah's attention to help him understand, hey, I got a plan and I have a purpose, even though you don't understand it and you may not like it or agree with it, I am in control and I am fulfilling my purpose. And there are just sometimes that we have to accept that, you know what? God knows best. God's ways are better than my ways. His thoughts are better than my thoughts. And here's what Jeremiah teaches us in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says so the Lord. They are plans for what? Say it out loud. Good. And not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That is a promise. Listen, that is a promise we need to stand on that is a promise we need to embrace and we just have to understand that even though we go through change and transitions and seasons and there's loss and there's hurt and there's grief and sorrow and all of those things could it be could it be that god has somehow some way even though we don't understand it has decided to do what he feels is best our days are numbered We're not in control. God is in control. Before the foundations of this earth was even founded and created, God had a plan and he had a purpose and he had a timeline for everything according to his will. And so it might be that God wants us to recognize and understand that he has a purpose in all things. God causes not bad things to happen, causes everything to happen, no, in all those things, God still is able to turn it around for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So it might be that you'll never have a testimony in this life until God first places you through a test. It might be the sorrow that you've just gone through or you're currently experiencing in your life through a loss that you're grieving through. Maybe God wants to turn your sorrow to become a part of your story that you tell with other people. Maybe it's the pain that you've endured in your life that God wants to use as a platform to fulfill his purpose. It could be potentially that maybe whatever setback that you've encountered in your life that you see as a setback maybe God has allowed the setback that you've encountered to uh, listen he's arranged for some things to fall into place so that it can be used as a set up for what he ultimately has destined for you because he has a hope and he has a future for your life. Was this helping anybody? Because it might be that God allows you to experience something that other people need to hear, need to see, need to understand, to validate that God is who he says he is and God will do what he says he will do. A month ago, a very dear friend was rushed, airlifted to the hospital, Because of a seizure, and if you know anything about seizures, most of the time, it's not a good result. But through prayer, and through God's plan, and through God's purpose, through God's faithfulness, God was not finished with what he began, and as a result, he allowed this individual to experience a miracle so that that miracle can be turned into the greatest ministry he could ever imagine. And he's sitting right down here on the front row. Steve, stand up. Stand up. Come on, somebody. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. You're witnessing a miracle. Of God's faithfulness, His plan, and His purpose. I'm sorry, brain aneurysm. Thank you, Michelle. She's always listening. I get home. She said, did you know you said, did you, do you realize that you actually said? I said, no. Well, that's good. Let them kind of figure it out. But no, seriously. Yes, a brain aneurysm usually does not end up good. But praise be to God and God's faithfulness and God answering prayer. My Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God has a purpose for everything. And number three, and I'll close with this. God wants everyone to experience his grace and forgiveness. Aren't you thankful for that? In Jonah 4, verses 9 through 11, then God said to Jonah, is it right For you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. He's still going through his little pity party. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. He was just focused on the temporary, the here and now. He's just focused on himself. And a plant is only at best short-lived. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Let me ask you a question. If you are not a Christian and you're here today, you're watching online, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, my question to you is, do you understand why you, by chance, is still alive? Do you understand why God still has allowed you to have breath in your lungs? Let me tell you if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And you've got to understand that God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And it might be that God has sent all kinds of people and situations and circumstances that maybe you've encountered in life. You've chose to grow angry towards God. You have vented to God. You've allowed those situations and circumstances that you don't like, that you don't understand, that has confused you, that you don't listen, that you don't agree with. And as a result, you have turned it toward God for your reason for rejecting him. And yeah, I just want to say something for the record. God can handle that. Because when Jesus died on the cross for you, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If anybody understands and knows rejection, pain, hurt, abandonment, confusion, it was Jesus who died for us, because He has a hope and a future, He has a plan and a purpose. And He came to rescue us from our sin, to forgive us so that we could be in a right relationship with God through His Son, through Jesus. We read the headlines, and I pray for all of these politicians and representatives that are playing such a vital, vital role this time and juncture of our history, of our nation right now, our community, our city, so much is at stake. And when you look at the headlines, when you read the internet and watch the stuff on the internet, and you you hear all of the talking heads and you see the images and you, you, you just see all the sinfulness the wickedness the evil the unjust the things that don't make sense when you see all of these things happen you see the negativity of our world it's like God why don't you just come and save us God why don't you just come and rescue us God why don't you just come and fix all the problems. Have you ever wondered, like, is God asleep? Is he on vacation? Is he not aware? Is he didn't care? Second Peter 3 answers that question. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants everyone to repent. If you're a Christian, do you know why you're alive? Do you know why you have breath in your lungs? If you have a pulse, you have a purpose... And as a follower of Jesus, we're to be a light to a world living in darkness. He's called us to be salt, to be an example, to live a life that is worthy of others to see, recognize, and say, I can't explain it, but I want what they got. I need what they have. I want God to do in my life what he has done in their life. We have a vision for this city. It is a city that is far from God. We have a vision for this community. This community of Lake Nona is a community is far from God this school campus is a school campus as great as it is, as great as the people are as great as the families are as great as the leadership is it is a campus filled with the next generation that is far from God God has planted us here he's put us right here for such a time as this. We're going to talk about what that looks like and what we're believing God for next week. And I don't want you to miss it. We're calling it Imagine Sunday. Imagine what God could do when God's people come together. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Amen us pray. Father, we thank you for the day and we thank you for the opportunity to worship, to come into a place and even on our school campus to give hope, to give life and to remind us that God has a hope and a future for all of us. And if you're here today and maybe you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can I invite you today, once and for all, just to turn your heart to God today. Put your faith and your trust, even in the things that you don't understand, that's what faith is. If we had to understand everything and everything, if everything made sense, then we wouldn't need faith. But it's like, The quote of taking the first step, faith is like taking the first step, even though we don't see the entire staircase. And today, maybe that first step for you is putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. Believing that he died on a cross, he paid the ultimate price for your sin, and he came back to life. And if that's your need today to put your faith in Jesus, to trust him as your Lord and your savior, Would you be willing to pray this prayer in your heart? Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. And today I believe that Jesus died. He arose again. And today I'm inviting Jesus into my heart and into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high toward heaven today, saying, yes, count me me in. I just prayed that prayer, and I ashamed to admit it. That's awesome. It's wonderful. Thank you. Father, we celebrate with these that lifted their hands. For those that may have prayed that prayer online, Lord, we just stand with them today and affirm them. And Lord, for the rest of us who know you, who have a relationship with you, Lord, we know that you've rescued us so that we can help rescue others. So, Lord, help us to be mindful as we go out and about throughout our week. Help us to be saltier salt, brighter light to a world that desperately needs Jesus. We pray this in his holy name. Amen and amen. Come on, everybody. Let's give God a little shout-out of praise. Amen. Well, hey, quickly, if you uh, prayed that prayer with me a moment ago and you raised your hand acknowledging that you did so, a couple of things, or maybe you prayed that prayer online, let me ask you to do two things. Number one, make sure you fill out the Connect card. looks just like this. You can drop it in the offering container. Uh, but please let us know that you prayed that prayer, but putting a little check in that little box that says, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And even more importantly, we'd love for you to take it out to our next steps table. And we would love to give you a little booklet that I put together called Rethinking Life Every Day. And uh, this would be a great next step, a tool that you can take and apply. Helps answer spiritual questions you have. It's a little 30-day reading plan through the life of Christ to help you get started in reading your Bible. But it will outline some next steps in your spiritual journey. So you can stop by the next steps table on your way out today. We'd love to give you one of those. If you watched online, just, all you gotta do is just type in the words Um, I Decided, just put I Decided, and we'll send you a digital version of that booklet as well. And if you're a guest with us, please stop by today. If it's your first time with us, stop by, pick up one of our gift bags uh, there at our Connect 10. It's just our way of saying thank you for coming. And today is our welcome party. So when we're dismissed, uh, we would love to invite any of our newcomers and those that are new to the community, maybe new to our church, to come and join us for a brief time it's going to be an awesome time as we get to know each other but faces and names together and uh, help you hopefully find a place that you can truly call home here in our church community and then today let's continue to be faithful and generous with what god has called us to do as believers as we bring the tithe as we honor the lord in this area of giving and because this is the first sunday you know one of the greatest reminders on the first sunday of the month you know in proverbs 3 it talks about to honor the Lord, to bring our first fruits. So we're gonna give God our first, we're gonna give God our best, and we're gonna trust him to meet the needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so as God sees fit, he will take care of us, he'll provide for us as long as we put him first. So let's be faithful in this area as we advance the gospel, as we advance God's purpose and plan, as we advance our church, to do what god has called us to do so let's pray over the offering today we father we thank you for the opportunity to be able to give to be able to worship through giving thank you for the opportunity for us to sow to invest in the things that are truly going to last forever and that is men and women and teenagers and boys and girls and lord we pray in jesus name god that you'll take it use it multiply it to help make an even greater impact for you But we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.